Announcement. The revolution will not be televised. I repeat, the hemp revolution will not be televised. Welcome to the Hemp Revolution Podcast, the global hotspot for the buzz and the cannabis. Hear the secrets of the green rush from the dreamers who are writing the rules, innovating business, and changing history forever. Immerse yourself with the fascinating stories from the leaders in the hemp health revolution to learn how we are changing the game. Now here's your hosts, James Brinkerhoff and Sonia Gomez. Gomez coming to you from Denver, Colorado. Super excited to be here on another Rock Your Socks episode of the Hemp Revolution podcast, where we are sharing and telling the real story of the cannabis and hemp industry from the entrepreneurs and change makers who are actually pushing this space forward and making it possible for you guys to have access to the highest quality medicine that is available on the marketplace. I um, have had it be my mission since my own life transformation happened with cannabis and hemp. Um, it's really my mission to help you understand the truth about cannabis and hemp derived products so that you can make educated, empowered decisions about how you want to care for yourself, the people that you love and the conditions you may be suffering from, or otherwise care for this beautiful gift of life that we have. If you're someone looking for products that you can depend on to deliver the results that you're looking for, check us out at medicalsecrets.com for some of our favorite picks. And if you're a budding entrepreneur or business owner in this space looking for tips and tricks, resources and relationships that you need to succeed and accelerate your success in this industry, go ahead and check us out at theemeraldcircle.com. We are happy to help. Now, you guys know how I love a lady boss in the cannabis and hemp industry. I myself am a lady boss in the cannabis and hemp industry. And so when I get to tell these stories, it is not only nostalgic, but such a deep honor for me because women and minorities are both underrepresented in this industry. And we more than need and want the opportunity to showcase our skill sets, but also how we do what we do, the way that we do it, so that we can continue to up-level the industry and can and self-govern in a professional and beautiful capacity. So our guests today are originally from San Bernardino, California. Eva was a community manager for over a decade until um, an untimely end of her sister Leticia's battle against lupus in 2014. After bearing witness to her sister's refusal to use cannabis to ease her pain because she considered it taboo, which was subsequently led to an opioid addiction, our guest today transitioned into the cannabis industry so that she could help to transform this mentality and how we are all experiencing this incredible plant. She turned that experience of her own into the motivation behind launching a cannabis delivery service that's centered around reaching the region's large elder population. Lots more to share inside of this incredible story. We're actually going to do a two-part interview here to ensure that we capture it all. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and help me welcome our lady boss and queen of cannabis out of California, Miss Kiva King. How's it going, Kiva? 
Hey, it's going good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. How yes, are you? You're welcome. I'm so excited to have you on. I'm very sorry to hear that this is a part of your motivation, that your experience with your sister is a part of your motivation for starting the company. Um, it's somehow cannabis always has some sort of life changing story or circumstance that brings us into involvement with her. Mary Jane can be a cruel bitch, but a helpful one. Yes. I'd love to hear straight from you a little bit about who you are, um, what your background is and how you ended up in the can of boom. Oh, okay. So, I mean, you summed it up basically in a nutshell, but yes, um, my sister, she was diagnosed with lupus um, about 17 years ago. Um, a lot of the trials and tribulations of her going to the doctors and stuff, they never was able to find out what she was diagnosed with. They kept misdiagnosing her, sitting in her home, saying it's all in her head. Uh, to finally about 10 years in, a doctor noticed a butterfly rash on the back of her neck, you know? So they were like, okay, that's a telltale sign of lupus. Um, once they diagnosed her with that, of course, there was no cure. So she went on all the different medications. Well, each medication had a side effect for another, but dealing with it for so many years, her body had so many different elements from it. Like she ended up being on hemodialysis. Wow. So which it caused all her um, blood vessels. They just like disappeared. So you couldn't even give her dialysis through any of her veins anymore. Um, and yeah, like we would go see her. She was hospitalized because she would get a lot of inflammation. Well, flare ups, they called them. So we found her in and out the hospital. Every time I seen her, the different medicines, they had her in a different state. You know, sometimes she was never even there. Does that make sense? Like we'll go in the room and they said she can hear you, but she couldn't respond. And it was because they had her under on the different medication they had for pain. You know, I always told her, I was like, I want to try cannabis, stuff like that. She was like, no, no, I don't want to try that. You know, I don't, I don't want to do that. It was like always something like it was bad rather than I'm like, okay, well, you're throwing up. You're not eating. So why wouldn't you want to try it? All my years of telling her to get on it, she didn't listen to me for it. But yeah, like her medicine cabinet was looked like a pharmacy itself with all the different medicines they had her take for each and every other one that would make her sick, you know? So unfortunately she ended up um, getting septic shock uh, while in the hospital. And that was her ultimate uh, demise. Um, and then that pushed me because at the time that I wanted to do it originally in 2011, it was, they were raiding they were cracking down so hard and, and it was like super federal. So it was scary. So I was like something I believe in and I know that will help and change and make a big benefit in the community that I stayed in. At the time, I was still in San Bernardino. It was scary because they were raiding people and taking them to jail. Um, so she passed away 2014 and it was just like, you know what, just go hard and go home. And I went for it and opened the, my delivery, started my delivery service. And I started out here in Coachella Valley. I was here at the time. Um, I did it free. You know what I mean? I just did it. I was still working property management. So I wanted to see the trials and tribulations effect that it had on different people. Well, being in the Coachella Valley, most of my clients were 55 plus. So they had real elements that they needed it for. And they would tell me what they were looking to treat. So then that's how I was able to try different products out, different brands to see what was working. It wasn't a huge brand thing because we were still black market, you know, no laws. So it was just different vendors, a lot who didn't make it to the new 64, you know, that they didn't get to come up because of the hard laws and regulation that they needed you to qualify and all the expenses they needed you to come in. But yeah, I had a lot of people who either had AIDS, their family members had, was on hospice and they were just like, you know, I'm going to stop them on the morphine so that they can actually talk to me. We can correspond with them. They can eat and they'd be happy before they pass away when they sit home. 
And it was working. I was just like, wait. So I'm sitting over there with them because at this point, I became their friend. So I'm sitting at their house because I want to see what, what works, what's not working. It was like, it was like crazy. It was just like, does this really work? So I'm just really thinking, I'm like, okay, I have the next cure for cancer. Like, let me try it on this person and that person. You know, and it was working everywhere I went. And a lot of people was like, you know, I was depressed. You know, I'm glad I talked to y'all. I had no family. I don't have no friends. This is when you come, you are my friend. I can rely that at least an hour I have somebody to talk to. Once you leave, I'm going straight to sleep because I'm about to smoke. So it was like the fact that it changed so many different people's lives and that they relied on me and I, be, I got new friends with people. It took about a year and a half and then I was able to build up my clientele. And then we was hit with the shaker of, okay, you can't have a delivery service anymore because now Prop 64 passed. Every delivery service must belong to a brick and mortar. So then I had to find out the cities I was allowing licenses and that long three-year battle, you know. So it's hard, but hey, finally here. There you are. And and uh, quite a popular one, actually. And in our next interview, I want to hear a little bit more about the journey that you had to go through transitioning your delivery service into a brick and mortar business, because that's a completely different model. Not that as a delivery service, you don't have to have an element of brick and mortar, but to run a retail store that's like a cash business and you have employees and you got all those people handling inventory and money and like secure. I mean, it's just so crazy. Um, I'm originally from California. I finished high school down in San Diego, spent a lot of time in the desert, you know, because I used to be in the beauty industry. I was actually the African-American hair care specialist for the Paul Mitchell organization. So I was nice because we don't have that out here. (laughs) I know I was doing like traveling, traveling, doing like perms and weaves and braids and like all this stuff at people's homes. And I would come out to Palm Desert a lot um, Mm -hmm. to serve a clientele out there. So um, that's how I found like the spas and stuff that I like to go to out in that area. But you're absolutely right. The demographic is just so key um, Mm -hmm. to fit that 55 plus retired community, the folks who would otherwise be concerned conservative in their mentality around cannabis and hemp, but really there's like embraced with open arms out there, which is really super cool. Um, and you're right in the Coachella Valley. Like you have some pretty major events out there that you get to serve, which is pretty awesome. Talk to me a little bit about your journey. Like, do you own the business independently? Do you own it with a family or friend, a family member or a friend? Like how, how did you guys decide that, um, that you wanted to, be running, uh, first of all, a delivery service rather than go at it from a brick and mortar first? And did you go at it alone or did you have family or friends who came in with you? When I first started at the delivery service, it was just me. Um, Everyone else still had their jobs. You know, I still had a full-time job as well. So I didn't go at a storefront Mm -hmm. at first because to get this valley, a lot of people already had licensing for it, but to actually get a license from a city, it was kind of hard. So delivery was the easiest, most economical part for me. So I wanted to start learning the game from inside out. So start as a delivery service, even though I had a brick and mortar location, it was only allowed to uh, clients who were loyal that I knew that I can trust. Um, Once that went away and basically I didn't want to ruin the chances of if that was to get rated, then I would not be able to get a licensed location. So I closed that. when the state said that it couldn't go past January 1st of 2018. 
Mm-hmm. So that closed. Um, my sister has always been on the corporation with me. However, I just told her once I get a point that I can actually pay you, then I will bring you on. You know, so I did it to build up from this beginning to the end. Uh, as I was going through the process of licensing, uh, I had already had the location because uh, the delivery location that I had, the owner owned both commercial buildings. So it was easy for me to find another building with the city that was allowing license for us. So my sister was always on the corporation with me. I brought her aboard with the retail location. Uh, once I got into it and the uh, permitting process turned to a merit base, my interior designer, who I had hired uh, like 2015, uh, Megan Stone, she had asked to partner with us um, for this location, you know, so it helped financially with us. So she ended up partnering with me, me and my sister and I on this location. And then we ended up winning 420 of 2018 open for 11, 412 of 2019. Nice. Congratulations. And how many locations do you guys have now? Have one. I'm working on two other locations as we speak. Amazing. So talk to me a little bit about this. It's no secret that minorities in this business and women in this business are also considered a minority. So there right. are quite a few, cha- quite a few challenges for us. I believe that we're, un- um, you know, misrepresented in a lot of ways and underrepresented in quite a few ways. Um, for you as a African-American business owner in cannabis and hemp, what have been some of the challenges that you face being a business owner, um, first of all, in this crazy ass industry, but second of all, being a minority business owner, both as a woman and as an African-American? Um, I think that first, at first hand meeting me, uh, people didn't take me as a threat, if that makes sense. I guess it seems to me them that I wasn't as acknowledged as they were in the industry until we had a conversation and it was like, wait, I think she know a little bit way too much. Um, you understand, I, I researched it and this is like a passion. This is my baby. So I researched it for over seven years, learned everything there was to know that I needed to know. A lot of people say like, oh, well, you don't consume, you don't smoke, right? So a person that smokes, they feel like, oh, you shouldn't own a business and you don't smoke. Well, you're one person. This is how I look at it. You're one person that smokes. So when you smoke, that's your opinion. Me, on the other hand, I did my research and I got opinions from hundreds of people on the different effects, what it does for them, because everyone's DNA is different. What what it does to you, it may not do to the other person. So now you have an opinion on what you've experienced when I got an opinion on what hundreds of people experience. So now who has the most knowledge, me or you? You know, so a lot of guys have approached me in that fact, like, oh, well, you don't smoke. So how can you own it? I do my research. I carry some of the best brands out in the market. You know what I mean? I don't carry crappy. I'm carrying stuff that's actually going to work for my clientele. Not going to sell you up anything. When I first came in it, my motto was a lot of people doubted me. So I think that was another motivation behind Watch My Shine because I love to prove people wrong. And it's been doubt for family members. You know what I mean? I lost a lot of friends and family even before the start when it, when they found out it opened. Just because it was like I went maybe three years of being quiet, not letting nobody know what I was planning on doing so that it wouldn't kind of jinx itself out. Mm-hmm. And so when I did talk about my dream, I was like, oh, okay, that's a good dream. It's never going to happen. So the fact that I'm able to prove a lot of people wrong, a lot of people who doubted me, close friends, you know, doubted me, it, it's, a, it's a lot. You know, it's like, hey, you never ran a storefront before. How do you know how to do it? 
I mean, well, it's common sense practice. If you ran a business before and you know it's your money and the only way you're going to eat and feed your kids is if it's ran efficiently right, you're selling the best product, you're giving excellent customer service, then you know, hands down, it's going to succeed. Because if it fails, you do too. Man, you could not speak truer words. I was actually listening to this interview with Sarah Blake, uh, with Sarah Blakely, who is the founder of the bank. And she was talking about like what it takes to have a billion dollar um, idea. And mm-hmm. she was like, Gen, you know, when you have an idea, everybody has a million dollar idea yeah, all the time, yeah. right? Everybody yeah. has one all the time. There's a, a big difference though between the folks who go out there and are like, I got this million dollar idea. Let me just tell everybody about it. And then you start to collect the opinions of the people who are closest in your inner circle, whether it's friends, family, coworkers, whatever. And you're trying to tell them this, you know, idea that idea that you're inspired by that could be a really big hit, but all of these folks who are in workers mentality or don't share the same you know, point of view is you are going to start telling you everything that's wrong with your idea. What Sarah said was that if you, if you have naysayers in your inner circle, number one, you're probably onto something. And number two, you should stop telling people your idea because either they're going to take it or they're going to take it from you and run, or they're going to take it from you and it's going to die. And so that's something that you have to be really careful of. And I love that you're like, people underestimated my capability. Like I'm out here doing my research. I'm not your average Joe. I'm, you know, I'm not out here just smoking weed. I'm actually out here to make a difference. Um, That's a pretty big stigma. A lot of people think that there's two opinions there. A lot of people think that if you smoke weed and own a business that you're not going to be successful. And then the other opinion is if you don't smoke weed and you own a business, how can you be successful? And <laughs> I come up against that all the time where people are like, how, how can you be running a successful business? Um, you know, if you're consuming cannabis and I'm like, well, how can you not run a successful business. If you're going to own a business, don't you own it for it to be successful? Right. What I do in my off time is none your business. <laughs> <laughs> it's not your business. Right. So, <laughs> um, what, are, what are some of the things that you have done to set yourself apart? There's a noisy marketplace out in California right now. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, especially more than ever, there's more and more brands and businesses popping up all over the place. What are one or two things that you do that, that nobody else does or that you think um, contributes to you continuing to build and grow when so many companies are, are falling off and, and failing? Um, I'm just so hands-on. It's ridiculous. Like I can't, my sister even tell you, I can't allow the store to run without me being a part of it. If that makes sense. Like I'm not just in the back office calling orders. Like I'm the bartender, you know, I'm the custodian. Um, the label printer, you know, so I'm every aspect of it. And if I'm at home and I'm looking at the cameras and there's a line outside, I'm on my way to the store. I'm calling them like, Hey, there's a line. You guys need to go take the, do this. You know, cause I, I can see the agitation in people. That's the one thing I hate is if a customer walks out. So I'm watching like, okay, call security. You need to go and you need to let them in so that they won't leave. Cause like our process is you check people in and then they have a seat and then their service one-on-one. So they have a, a one-on-one experience, not just to sign in. And then they just walk around your store on their own. You have a one-on-one experience the whole time, so no one's feel rushed. Well, sometimes we get a lot of customers at one time. In order for them not to walk out, I have them all go in the store, browse around, and wait for their name to be called. 
Um, I wanted it to be more of a peel of a woman's. My whole thing when I met my business partner was I wanted a boutique. I wanted something girly, but not too girly to scare away guys, classy. So I was coming up with different ideas of how can I come up with the cannabis boutique? My vision of what I see, she already was had the ideas and was doing it. So that's how we ended up partnering together because I wanted a boutique. I wanted something clean. I didn't want that hole in the wall. Like you look like, where are you at? You know, I have OCD. So everything must be neat, lined up, you know, stacked right. Like don't have the, all the labels facing forward, you know, so just an overall customer experience. I hate, I've been judged so many times when I went places, you know, a person treating you as if you're going to steal just by the way you look. I wanted every customer that came through this door to feel like royalty treat it like it hands down the moment they step in the store you are to be acknowledged whether it no rather if somebody already seen them or not everybody that catch eye contact with a customer speak have you ever been to a place and they looked at you and didn't even notice you there now would you want to spend your money there right same thing with me i was like i'm a customer i'm a consumer these are the ones that pay our bills i want everybody to feel like royalty my policy still to this day if you are unsatisfied i'm gonna give you your money back a hundred percent there, right, right there, that's going to let you know that I don't have a gimmick to upsell you on no product. I want to sell you on something at work. And if you have a problem with the product, we will return it for you. We're in business to have a repeated customer. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the customers don't allow you the opportunity and just leave a bad review without being able to rem- remediate that situation. So training for my staff is a must. I mean, we try to do staff training all the time, however, you know, with that comes stuff and other stuff. So, I mean, it's a work in progress. I want the staff to feel that their family, you know, I pay above minimum wages. Like everyone has a good pay because I don't want to turn over. I want my employees to stay. I want them to feel like family. I don't want anyone here to feel that they're less than anybody other position. And we hire within before we hire outside for promotions. Nice. I love that. See only women can do that stuff. Yes. <laughs> well, I think I, I mean, I've been in a lot of, um, you know, male owned businesses. And I think that there's, there's a pretty significant gap in how men and women build their teams. Women are very family oriented and mm-hmm. men tend to be profit oriented. So there, there's just a different look, a different feel to a bud tender. Like it's really challenging for me. I won't use the word hate, but it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's challenging for me when I walk into some place and like a 22 year old girl with, you know, her tits all out and right. all this, all this happening on her face. And I'm like distracted. I'm like, is her lipstick going to come off or, uh-huh. is it, you know, like, it's, it's just like too much. I'm overwhelmed by everything right. that's happening right there that I can't, I can't even really remember like what questions I wanted to ask about a particular uh-huh. screen, you know? So like, I, I noticed that, that things are all, that there's just a significant inconsistency on like the standard of service that a business can provide. And it's unfortunate because a lot of people go into stores because of the convenience of location. Yeah. And if the location doesn't offer a standard of service that is reflecting for the rest of the industry, like it's hard to go in as a 55 plus woman into a dispensary that's, you know, operated by 22 year old teeny boppers who look good in a white t-shirt, um, mm-hmm. you know, but can't answer any questions about the products 
that are going to be most beneficial for me and what it is that I'm trying to manage symptomatically, you know? Correct. So it's those kinds of things that are frustrating and, and a lot why I created a certification program for bud tenders um, because I, when I was opening, when I was running my business, it was really hard to find people who had baseline knowledge or were interested enough to educate themselves. So I had to right. education, you know, because not everybody is as, as ambitious to go out there and self-educate. So My um, gosh. I, I love that, that you're, <clears throat> that you're actually educating your staff. What are some of the resources that you use to bring everybody up to, up to par as far as like a unified um, product, you know, being unified on product knowledge or customer experience, like what are some of the um, education that you use or how do you develop that education so that everyone gives the same experience to your clients? Well, we tried a class called Sell Smart. I did it with some of the bartenders, had them train on there. Uh, it was basic one-on-one for cannabis. Um, it wasn't as in-depth as I wanted it to be. So I know the uh, school across the street, which is uh, College of the Desert, has classes for them. Um, like you said, passion goes into it, right? So I can pay and spend so much money on a bud tender to learn this. But if you don't want to retain the information, it's going to be a waste of time. You're looking in the air. And they're teaching a class, but I'm paying for it. So I am now picking and choosing who that is going to get that education or who's going to go forward. At this point, we're a year in. And the last thing that I want a customer going out the door is unsure or unhappy with the purchase. I've always told them there's no such thing as a dumb question. If you don't know something, ask. Do not make up whatever you think in your head. Tell somebody. I always have uh, the vendors come out and educate them on their product, you know. They're training one specific product. Get the knowledge from them. Then do your own research. You know, go above and beyond to see it. My main focus besides recreational is medicinal. We started off in the medicinal industry. So you cannot sell someone who is suffering from multiple sclerosis symptoms a vape pen that just has THC in it. Ask them what their ailments is. Ask them what they're looking to relieve. Ask them what, what time of the day are they taking their dose, you know? You have to ask these questions, you know, in order to get this. I have a man that's on the wall that I hang up there. And if they're looking for a symptom that they don't know the answer to, all they do is have the references to cannabis man is letting you know. Because a lot of people that comes in, they're looking for relief, you know. And if they're looking for internal or external, I tell them, ask them what are they looking for. Don't tell them anything, you know. Uh And some people don't do it. Some people do. So I have a good team, but I want a great team. Yeah. I work with a lot of business owners like yourself who have a hyper focus on creating that consistency in customer experience. And they've expressed a similar type of thing of like, why am I going to spend all of this money educating folks who don't want to be educated? They're just looking for a job. And, Mm -hmm. And I'm like, my answer to that is like, if you're looking for a job and a paycheck, this is not the place for you because I don't want to pay you to get paid. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I'm trying to pay you to be a cut above and we're building something that's bigger than ourselves and we're serving something that is bigger than ourselves. Like beyond the person and to person connection that we have to create inside of our community to stay relevant, we mm-hmm. are a part of creating a professional standard in which this yep. industry must operate at in order to be taken seriously and actually engage in the possibility of global legalization. 
So for me, it's like, how do you do my employees or my partner, what I call, I call them my partners. I'm like, you guys are my front facing partners and how we are going to be, you know, perceived and talked about in our community. And I want my partners to have my back every single time. And you guys have to be interested enough in yourself to have me be interested in you. If you're not interested in yourself and your knowledge and what you're bringing to the table, how do you expect me to be interested in you? You know, so every paycheck I write is an investment that I'm making in you. Right. The class. Right. Yeah. That's what it's like. That that is straight up it. So that's my mentality and like how we have to up level beyond the fact that I'm a stiletto stoner and I'm a little bit bougie. I'm Mm -hmm. like, if I walked into some one of these places and I tried to get like, you know, let's, let's say it was makeup. If I walked into a Mac store and I tried to buy some makeup and somebody was like, um, I don't really know. Like, right. I'm not really sure. I'd be like, bitch move. <laughs> right. Like, what? Like, yeah, it wouldn't make any sense to me. So I totally agree. And I'm a hundred percent on the, on the education side in our next interview. I want to talk, I want to talk a little bit more about the challenges and, and tribulations that one has to go through and what, what we're facing coming into 2020 here. Um, but quick and dirty, why don't you just tell me really quickly, what have been some of the key challenges that as a business owner that you have been up against that you feel has prevented your ability to grow as fast as you want to? Two things, banking and access to capitalization. Yep. Money and money. Yep. <laughs> where to yes. put your money and where to get your money. Where to get your, exactly. Those are, those have been my two hardest challenges. If, if I had that on hand, I would be so far right now. I mean, because that's what everyone that's in this industry is doing. They're monopolizing. They don't have their, they don't have qualifications. They're paying people to write these business plans and stuff for them, and just to get the most stores they can acquire. You know, mm-hmm. sad, but it's, that's who it's going to. If you had the capital, what would you do with it? I would invest in another retail location. So I would grow the team here to get a solid manager on board, so that I can be off and get a second location. Uh, probably not, and as in the bougie area as it is, I want to do it more in a neighborhood, you know, with people all in the same level tone, those locations, those demographics do well, do much better. This is a tourist city. So during the summertime, it's dead. Season starts in November. It ends in April. It's a seasonal location. And, you know, you have the demographic here of most retirees. So I definitely want to take a store to another location that is less fortunate and be able to help the city more put more money back into. You know, I got to be honest with you. I was talking to, I was talking to uh, one of my mentors the other day and they were like, you know, if there is not cannabis culture in your community, don't put a cannabis store there. And it's, uh, (laughs) I was dying because I was like, I was like, what, what are you actually saying? And he's like, you need to go to the ghetto because that's where everybody's That's where the money is. That's, and, and, and they go a hundred times a day. I don't care where they go get the money from. They're going to go get that money to come back and they're going to be your repeat customer. Yeah. yeah, they need five blunts, a fl- five blunts a day, not a month. You know, like exactly. Yeah, they're not smoking like these little, these little white girl like pipe loads. They're smoking like, <laughs> oh yeah, they're smoking, smoking with all yeah, the friends, they're and they're gonna make it happen. Smoking. But if you see it, those demographic is they they're the top stores. Mm-hmm. Money, yeah. 
hands down. Yeah, I see how I see the same thing out here. And I was like, dang, you know, I was I, I do a lot of consulting with the bigger brands and I was talking to them. I'm like, you know, what are your what are your demographics? And they were like, well, we got this, we got a, you know, a few patients who are spending almost a half a million dollars a year what? per patient. Oh wow. Yeah, coming into their store. And I'm like, well, are you ever concerned about it going to the black market? And they were like, concerned, yeah, but there's no proof. You know, right. like, you can't prove that they're taking our, our product and putting it onto the black market. And I was like, damn, for an organization, like that's a really significant, if you have five of those, like what else do you need to do? You know what I mean? Right. So it's it's pretty unique how um, stores vary from from community to community and, and neighborhood to neighborhood. How that yeah. how that all changes, and you know it it makes me always question like, are the poor neighborhoods really as poor as they are, or are they selective on how they want to spend their money? Um, yeah. And then same thing with the bougie neighborhoods, like where do they actually want to spend their money, and how do we become relevant for them to be? you know, like a daily necessity, regardless yeah. of the neighborhood, how can we bridge that gap to help cannabis be recognized as a daily necessity? So I want to can pick up and continue our conversation um, okay. in our next interview, which will happen next week. Um, and I'm so super grateful for your, I mean, I'm so excited to be connected to you now, <laughs> hear your story and, and to just find out more about what it is that you're setting out to do. So in our next interview, we'll talk about what's coming up in 2020. We'll talk a little bit more about um, the challenges. We'll talk about the things that, that really keep you excited and motivated when so many people are getting shut down. Like, what are the things that make you most excited about continuing to push this thing forward? And I'm just so honored to meet another lady boss in this space. Um, hey. I'm do whatever I can to support you here. What are some final words for today's interview before we, um, before we schedule our next one? Everybody stay royal and stay loyal. Keywords and talk to you guys next time. Okay. Amazing. Thanks so much, Kiva. Hey, for those of you guys who are tuning in, this is just the first of many interviews that we will do with Kiva and her incredible business, telling the story of how she is pushing this incredible industry forward outside in California, the California. That is where I am from. That is where I love <laughs> to be and to grow. That's where, that's where my roots are right there. So I appreciate all the work that you're doing over there. And for those of you who are tuning in, when you like and share content like this, you are a part of us pushing the needle forward to see legalization happen in this amazing country. So please like and share this content. Make sure that you check out all of the links and social handlings. Kiva, where can folks find you if they want to come and check you out or find out more about what you're doing online? Uh, you can go onto our website, royalhighnessmj.com or follow us on Instagram, which is royalhighnessmj. Uh, we're located in the heart of El Paseo, Palm Desert, second story building amazing thank you guys so much check out make sure that you check out our show notes and highlights from today's broadcast and remember to like and share content just like this so that you can help us be a part of the change that we want to see in the world i'm your hostess with the most is sonia gomez and this is the hemp revolution we'll see you on our next show guys Thanks for listening to this episode. We took notes on this episode for you, along with all the links and resources mentioned in the episode. Get them free on the show notes page here at www.medicalsecrets.com.
If you love this show and our content, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you really want to help us get the message out there, please rate, review, and tell all your friends. With your help, we can continue to reach the world with our message. And until next time, we hope you join the hemp revolution, and we challenge you to dream big and love the life you live. <laughs>